Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Do you enjoy hearing the tech news delivered by smart, informed people? Me too. Learn more about how you can support this show at dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Monday, August 13th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. Also in Los Angeles, I'm Lamar Wilson. And also in Los Angeles County, our producer, Roger Chang. Hello. L.A. show. It's a uh, great L.A. day. L.A. is our lady. And Every Monday should be L.A. day. Guy. Um, Roger, do you feel special that we introduce you on your, you know, especially at the end? Or would you rather introduce yourself? I am fine either way. Okay. All right. I am just happy that the ambient temperature is below 90 degrees. Yeah, it is nice. <laughs> you are a young man. Well, folks. Um, the opposite of that. <laughs> Defcon and Black Hat uh, happened this weekend in Las Vegas, which means a field day of headlines to scare the crap out of you. We're going to talk about that. But let's start with a few tech things you should know. Spotify is running a test in Australia to see what happens when it lets listeners on its free tier skip any ads anytime they want. Now, advertisers won't pay for ads that are skipped. The idea is to create ads that people don't mind listening to so that they perform better and keep users on Spotify rather than getting put off by ads and then leaving. Tesla CEO Elon Musk published a statement saying that he has been talking to Saudi Arabia's public investment fund about taking Tesla private since the beginning of last year. He says that uh, this is the funding he described as secured in a tweet uh, about taking the company private. He also clarified that taking Tesla private will be funded by equity not debt. Yeah, Sorry, a, I messed up that sentence. No, no, it's was, it was, it was a confusing thing. But the equity not debt thing was a question I had, so that's good. Uh, Airbus announced its solar-powered Zephyr S HAPS, which stands for High Altitude Pseudo Satellite, flew for 25 straight days. That sets a record for any airplane and beats the previous record of the previous Zephyr of 14 days. The Zephyr uses only solar power to fly at 70,000 feet. UK military has ordered 
three of the aircraft. And one might assume that Facebook uh, would be shopping for this now that they've uh, stopped making their own aircraft for Project Wing. Apple's release notes for iOS 12 and Mojave developer betas list group chats for FaceTime, previously announced, as coming later this fall, meaning, or at least seeming to mean, that will not arrive with the official OS release. Mm, but it was working so well. No. <laughs> All right. Let's talk a little more about some smart things, finally, Lamar. Tell us something yeah, smart. Talk about Samsung. They're smart. So Samsung updated its smart things product line with a new wireless hub and a new dual-band Wi-Fi water router. Lamar learned how to read today. Including mesh routing, uh, mesh networking tech, license from Plume. This is going to be a long day, guys. The router can manage smart home devices like plugs, switches, and lights that connect over Zigbee and Z-Wave wireless protocols. A three-pack sells for $280 or individually for $120. Now, the new SmartThings hub sells for $70. Samsung also updated its SmartThings leak, motion, and multipurpose door opening, vibration, temperature sensor, and its programmable button and plug-in smart outlet, all available today for between $15 and $35. Uh, so a, a couple of things here. I, if you live in in the Samsung world, this is great. I mean, you, you you know, you have their phone, you have their refrigerator, or appliances, whatever. This is a nice addition. I like that uh, their router is adding Z-Wave and Zigbee inside the router instead of you having to connect another thing. I know the Echo did the same similar thing with uh, Zigbee, right? They they offer that, so you, you don't have to have a separate hub for your your uh yeah, few yeah. light bulbs no so that's I, cool I, I, I think i think more routers need to need to start doing that for sure yeah and, and it's a mesh router so you get the pack of three so you can right. actually put it you know cover a, lo- a-, a lot can happen in the next three years like a chat bot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Larger area. Uh, it's got the wireless protocols built in for the smart home stuff. And you can use it 
on other stuff. You don't have to be in the mm-hmm. Samsung universe to use it. That's the other cool thing about it being standard like that. Yes. Uh, and, and apparently Plume, who they worked with on this, works very closely with the cable company's ISP. So if you have a cable ISP, it should, you know, you shouldn't, you should tech, you know, theoretically have fewer problems setting it up with your network too. So yeah. this is a, this is a, a compelling little package here from Samsung. It well, and the, and the three wrong. pack is, is it, it, you know, it's it financially advantageous, right? It's like you get one for $120, but you get three for 280 So it's just a little bit over yeah. twice as much, um, which is obviously the point of it. An $80 yeah. savings. They look How familiar, too. How about that? Children's Hospital in Liverpool, England, called Alder Hay, will use the Microsoft HoloLens to let surgeons consult patient scans while they are operating on those patients. Hmm. The hospital will also use the Microsoft Surface Hub for reviewing CT scans and other patient information. Now, I, we don't mean to get you know overly hyped and laudatory about Microsoft in particular, but you know the idea of augmented reality being used in the operating room is a great one. This is oh, this yeah. is the kind of thing when people are like, "Oh, what is this good for?" It's good for this: being able to see the scans while you're looking at whatever you're operating on. I don't know if I was about to say heart, but that seems like it's dramatic. But I suppose that's that could be true. Sure. Uh, and and being able to see the scans that show you like the rear side of it from a CT scan when you're about to operate, so you know what's going on on the other. I mean, I'm not a surgeon, but the surgeons quoted in these articles seem very excited about Hmm. that possibility. Uh, And the Microsoft Surface Hub is great for collaboration. If you have a whole team before operations, you can all see the same things and interact with it. And even people who aren't in the same room can remotely access what you're seeing as well. Yeah, I think I think this helps for just better accountability and and anything that gives the doctor an edge to have a more successful surgery is is a great thing in my book. I, I know there's some hospitals using, you know, the the Google, what is that thing called in face? I was uh, going to say Google Home. Google that Glass? It's not called Google Home. Yeah, the, yeah Google Glass is, is used, you know, by some hospitals. I see no, I have no issue with this, whether it's Microsoft or any other company. I think it's, I think it's great that technology is being used like this. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it depends on what the surgery uh, is about, but we have been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. Or, okay, well, there's a lot of AR benefits, um, you know, in the enterprise assembly lines, in the, you know, the 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 uh, medical hospital sector, and um, I think the idea of precision based. Uh, surgeries, which require not only a lot of knowledge, but a lot of technical know-how, um, benefits a lot from this kind of technology. Yeah, I immediately think of the fact that Magic Leap is focused purely on the consumer space. Uh, and, and I wonder if that if they'll stick to that uh, when they see these kinds of uses, or if that will hurt them, that they're not mm-hmm. going to be considered. Because there's no reason Magic Leap couldn't be used for the same thing. Uh, and it might have some advantages in certain situations o- over the HoloLens. I also, when you bring up Google Glass, Lamar, it makes me wonder if we're going to see a more augmented reality HoloLens-like version of Glass for th- for the enterprise situations that are already using it that add that functionality. And could that oh, go yeah. the other direction? Could that start to lead into the Daydream VR, augmented, you know, the AR stuff on, on Android uh, and help feed into that as well? That's a good point. All right, folks, it's time for that yearly DTNS tradition called DEF CON and Black Hat. Scare the bejesus out of us. Ah! 
<laughs> Each year, these security conferences engage seasoned researchers to present reliable research on vulnerabilities as a way of showing that the white hats are on the case, finding the holes and helping them get patched before the black hats can exploit them. And every year, the headlines blare about horribly insecure everything is. Because look at what these researchers found. So we're going to take a moment. We're going to let ourselves just be frightened by the headlines and go hopefully from frightened to factual with a few of the top, top stories from this weekend. Uh, let's start with what looks like some bad UI. Uh, you decide if you think it was purposeful or not. Uh, the Associated Press is making some hay out of the fact that turning off something in Google called location tracking does not, in fact, turn off all stored locations. Here's why. Google seems to act like location tracking when you turn that off means actively recording your location as you use a device. So when you turn off location tracking, it's not constantly keeping a record of where you are and storing it in your account. And remember, this is all stored in your account. Uh, Google has access to it, but it's, it's you have control over it. What the Associated Press found, and it had confirmed by some Princeton researchers, is that even with location tracking off, Google's website and apps will still store locations when you use them with the app. So let's say you open Google Maps. It'll determine where you are to use Google Maps correctly and then store that mm -hmm. location. Or weather updates. If it's going to give you a weather update, it'll like, oh, you're in Berkeley. Okay, give you the weather for Berkeley. And then it stores that location, even if you have location tracking off. Since these are not continuously tracking, you're just recording a location when you fire up the app. Google classes them separately. So if you want to stop that kind of location storage, you need to go into your Google account, find activity controls, and turn off web and app activity. And then you can also, in that same Google account interface, delete any saved location data from your Google account as well. All right. So oh, I was just about to say, what do you think? Now, I, as, as soon as you were talking about this... I and I read it earlier, I merely thought of Tile because I have a bunch of those. And, and, and their premise is, hey, we do a ping. We're not like following you, but, you know, like say you lose your, your, your keys, whatever, whatever, whatever that last location is, is where you find it. And I think that's just what Google or Apple or any co companies would be doing here is like, hey, did you lose your phone? This was the last lo location. I think that's a useful thing. Uh, and I, I, I mean, I can see how people... I mean, like, hey, if I turn this off, it should turn everything off. But that just wouldn't be – it doesn't sound like it would be practical for for this kind of device. So I, I, I don't see a harm here. I don't, I don't really either, although I do find it very buried within settings, um, which is one of the articles that Wired wrote about this whole debacle. That was the point that they were making as well. It's like, yes, the settings are in your Google account. It's under personal info and privacy. And then you go to activity and then you go to activity controls and then you go to web and app activity. And at that point, there's not even a word location being used anymore. And I can see where someone's like, I don't know. I, you know, it's, it's the setting is there, but it's on by default, which is problematic. And I think for a lot of folks, um, and perhaps it's because I had a friend uh, visiting me over the weekend who's not tech savvy. So, you know, it's sometimes it's good to be reminded that people are like, I have no idea what any of these settings mean or what it means to me. Um, I think that knowing exactly what's going on, the story is not you know, so much of like, oh, Google's, you know, tracking all of this location data that you didn't know about. It's more of it's 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 hard for an average person 
to find these settings, understand what they mean and toggle them off. Yeah. I mean, I, I get what there's an engineering mindset of like, okay, so we won't follow you around and track where you are all the time, but we still need your location for this stuff. And we're going to store that. And then there's a perfectly understandable user mindset of like, no, when I said turn off location, I meant turn off storage location. I don't care where it comes from. So there's a disconnect yeah. here for sure. For sure. All right, moving on to uh, uh, something else at DEF CON. For the second year, DEF CON has uh, a voting village where hackers can attack decommissioned election equipment to test for vulnerabilities. This is intended to bring attention to the state of security in voting machines and thus make them more secure. Among the headline-grabbing events was one that set up a replica of the Florida Secretary of State's website and invited children to use SQL injection attacks to change the reported vote totals. 39 children tried to hack into the site replicas, and 35 were able to do so in under half an hour. Now, the fastest exploit was completed in under 10 minutes by an 11-year-old boy. The hack would not have changed the actual vote totals, only the, the web page. So, yeah, I, I saw this headline, 11-year-old, you know, changes, the, the, the you know, hacks the, the voting systems. It's like, wait a minute. This was a fake site to begin with that they created with vote vulnerabilities, uh, so, no, it was a replica. It was a replica of the actual it, it was, Florida site. The, the, okay, the article made it seem like it, it, nah, it, was, it wasn't an exact copy se- of the it. The Secretary of State's Association said, well, of course, in this situation, uh, it, it you'd be able to hack it. But our, our various state sites are more secure. And the people setting this up at DEF CON said, well, actually, I think ours our setup was actually slightly more secure than yours. So there's an <laughs> argument about definitions there. But they were meant to replicate an actual website served without, of course, right. actually hacking the yeah. real website. Yeah, and what was interesting, what they were what they were saying is, is like, realistically, of course, the, the voting commission or whoever was saying that, the, that realistically, no one would be able to physically do this to a machine. They uh, wouldn't be able to walk in. That's a different thing. That's hacking the voting machines. This well, is just the website. Was, you don't need a physical access to hack the website. What do you think the um, the thinking was behind decommissioned and kids? You know, because it's like it decommissioned, right? So it's like this is not necessarily a you know a, a threat that's that's that's, sure. that's plaguing us currently. And, and I think this is confusing. There are two different things. There's the decommissioned election uh, devices, which means you're not hacking something that's going to be used in a future election. Right. That's what I was reading, and that's reading important. On, yeah. And that's the one Lamar was saying. You'd have to have physical access, so that's that's a little more sophisticated of attack. Then there's the kids hacking the replica website. That's not decommissioned. That's just we copied the now, website that's out there. And we and and you I I think this is where the lost in translation moment comes in is we're talking about a conference that a lot of people bring their kids to to help them learn because they're excited about it and they need to have kids events over the years DefCon and Black Hat have been like hey there's there's kids coming let's have some kids events to to get those coding kids something to do uh, and that that's what this is so that's why you have it for them. Yeah, the 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 scare tactic here is like you know you know yeah they they see they can go in and change election totals and in reality they're not changing anything except a number that's on a a, a web page. So uh, however, I, I I did get the point of this. It's like well, hey, if it's easy enough for a kid to do, you know, you need to tighten your security. So I I think the security for the machines, decommissioned or not, uh, for the websites are are, are crazy under secure. Like like I don't understand. How every year something you know 
something as easy is able to happen like this. And I think another really important thing this shows is the Secretary of State's Association didn't cooperate with this test. They didn't do what a responsible tech company would do in this situation and say, hey, disclose to us what these vulnerabilities are so we can patch them right away. Uh, they they <laughs> sort of tried to minimize the the fear, uncertainty, and doubt because they're reacting to the headline that says 11-year-old hacks Florida website, right? And they should be reacting to like, hey, this is great. We want to know what these vulnerabilities are and how they got in so we can patch them up. Please, please send us your documentation <laughs> and your logs uh, so we can make our websites more secure. That's what should be happening. That, I, I agree with you. Would we all like to continue the FUD train? Yeah, like, I can't I wait. Story. All right. Researchers from Tencent demonstrated a complex hack of Amazon Echo speakers. The team modified an Echo by removing its flash memory, modifying firmware to gain root access, and then soldering it back in. The modified Echo was then added to the same Wi-Fi network as other Echoes. Flaws in Amazon's whole home communication protocol and voice interface were exploited to get full control of these targeted speakers. Now, Amazon has patched the exploited vulnerabilities, and that's where we are now. Yeah, However, and that, that's where most of these stories end, is <laughs> security yeah. researcher found, yeah. a, found an interesting hack, told the company, company patched it, then they give their presentation at DEF CON, and that's what's going on here. This is pretty sophisticated. Like, you actually have to uh, do some, some not... Uh, not easy modification to an echo. Uh, you, it's mm -hmm. doable by probably a lot of people in our audience, but it's not something you just, you know, and any, anybody could just throw together. Uh, then you have to be able to get onto the Wi-Fi network again, totally doable, but also not something that everybody's going to be able to do to every network. Then you have to be able to execute this, this attack that takes advantage of the vulnerabilities. So it's, it's, there's a lot of effort involved here and Amazon has already patched those vulnerabilities. Yeah, and and then yeah, the, and Gadget mentioned that the time spent to have to do this, uh, it, in you know someone's home is is you know is probably not realistic. However, in a hotel, you know where where a lot of these hotels are adding Amazon Echoes, like that could be instance, more of a concern. If it was a hotel in Las Vegas during a hacker convention, and you wanted to, <laughs> well, yeah, there, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I believe I believe the Wynn hotels all have Echoes in the rooms, or that was the last thing that I had heard. So. I, I I I look forward to Shannon Morse's um, tri <laughs> trials <laughs> from um, DefCon, which you know she has for us every year. Yeah, it's a it's 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 a it's a it's a. I'm trying to figure out how the best way to say this. It's an important thing to pay attention to because there will always be another vulnerability, and sure. so you sure. should be aware that hey, if I'm using this Amazon Echo. Maybe I should be careful about what I tell it, what I ask it to do, and the permissions I give it in case there is somebody listening in this hotel. And when I'm at home, I should be aware that, hey, there's a low possibility that somebody could try to you know, do something. So be on the lookout. You know, Make sure I have a secure Wi-Fi set up. All of those things are responsible. But it's not something we have to all freak out and like, oh, my God, throw the echoes out the window. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean Lamar bringing up the hotel version of this, I was like, because you know, when I read the story this morning, I I was like, well, I'm not worried about anybody like taking apart my echo and soldering it back together. But in a hotel room, maybe I would a little bit more so. But think of it in terms of, am I also worried that the person who stayed in the room before me, like, 
I don't know, you know, put a, you know, a webcam in the ceiling. Like, yeah, no, sure. not really. No. And it's totally doable, right? It could have happened. Yeah, so you just got to be happened. aware. Exactly. Uh, if I don't have to give a lot of personally identifiable information to the Echo uh, and I can say, hey, send me up some housekeeping. I need new towels. And it does it. I'm not worried if somebody intercepts that. Like there's myriad other ways that somebody could find out that I've called down for, for new towels. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not the top of my list of worries. Yeah. There are, there are some worries out there in the hotels uh, because security arrangements are such that they've been doing spot checks on hotel rooms. And a lot of the hackers who are very privacy oriented are not happy that these folks come up and knock at the door and say, Hey, I'm in security. I need to check your room. They're like, yeah, really? I don't, <laughs> according to whom, let me see your badge. Like, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. like that either. No. Whether or not I was uh, taking apart an echo speaker. It's like, no, you know, what? what? I've never heard of that before. Heads up, man. I'm paying, you know, $280 a night. Well, that's because of the shooting in Las Vegas. Uh, they're, you know, they're trying to be more secure, but. Oh, are they? I didn't know about the spot checks. Wow. In, in some hotels. Yeah. Researchers from Checkpoint Research demonstrated how to gain access to every computer connected to an HP all-in-one printer through its fax capability. Hence the headlines, fax machines lead to network hacks or something even more scarier than that. Uh, A faxed image containing malicious code that then was stored on the printer was used to be able to do an escalation attack. I think, well, it may not have been an escalation attack, but it was used to be able to, to gain access into the network. And then once you're in the network, you can do all the normal, like things that you can do when you're inside a network to try to do privilege escalation and, and all of that. Um, so HPS patched the vulnerability in their all in one printer that did this, but it is, this is a great notification that, old technology that's still hooked up is something that you need to pay attention to. Uh, if you leave your fax machine on for auto answer, like you did back in 1998 and somebody really wants to attack probably your enterprise more than your home, uh, there, there might be a way to do that. Yeah. I was going to say like, yeah, every office depot beware. Cause those are the only places I know to still have <laughs> fax machines. <laughs> but I, I have an all in one printer that has a fax. Oh, I do too. I don't have it hooked up, mm. so I'm not worried about that as a vulnerability. But okay. yeah, but some people might there. still like they hooked them up a long time ago, and they're they're still just hooked up. Hmm. Well, let this be a lesson to all of us: faxing is dead. Is it's not? Well, it's not it might dead. be dead. It might. Be I dead. want it to be dead for house for doctors who don't use email. Those are getting yeah. rarer, but you're right because of HIPAA yeah. stuff. Because you have to do one of those like secure website situations to be HIPAA compliant. So the the mm-hmm. facts hilariously, even though way more vulnerable <laughs> as an attack yeah. platform, is HIPAA compliant because the idea is well, it's behind the counter, and only the people behind the counter who are cleared to see your information would see your information. That's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That doctor's office side of thing i think it is going away though and i wonder when we finally see i don't keep track of the printer market very closely i wonder when we finally see the printer stop carrying fax capability because all of them are scanners and faxes now it seems like yeah yeah i guess mine is too i I know it's a scanner i didn't even think if it had a fax on it yeah it's Mm. yeah it's probable that it does although yeah a lot of people are like "Eh, i never do that i never need it yeah i'll go burn it one one way to secure yourself against a fax vulnerability is not to have uh, POTS phone service. <laughs> right. Or don't buy HP. I'm well, kidding. as long as you – I actually have one of those, and I I will admit to using the fax functionality, as we were talking in the pre-show. 
when I was getting my mortgage, I kind of got frustrated with the mortgage broker because they didn't understand Dropbox or anything else. It's like, fine, I'll just fax it straight to your (laughs) office. Uh, The simplest way is to unplug the phone line. Yep. And that's what I do. I leave it unplugged until I actually need it. Hey, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. Also, a big thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. We love you. Submit stories and also vote on other stories submitted at DailyTechNewsShow.reddit.com. Want to hang out on Facebook with us? Great. Facebook.com slash groups slash DailyTechNewsShow is where to go. And you can email us or fax us. Actually, you can't fax us. We don't, don't fax us. We don't have a phone line. So just email us. And then uh, Sarah might read your email in the mailbag. Yeah, exactly. Like Chris's email, he, he was referencing our story last Friday, I believe, uh, about Redfin directly selling homes to uh, buyers uh, rather than having that sort of realtor middleman. Chris says, uh, regarding Redfin selling homes to buyers, I have a law degree, worked in finance, worked in construction on private homes, went with a realtor because I was in a neighborhood that I was unfamiliar with. I think she showed us maybe three houses that she actually picked. Those homes were generated off an automatic search. The exact same automatic search that I set up using Zillow and Trulia. No joke. Same results I got from Zillow as I did from her. But Zillow offered me more info on the property. Every other house, more than a dozen, we looked at, were picked from Zillow and Trulia searches. And then the realtor set up the viewing. Viewings that I can set up with a call to the seller's realtor or even the seller directly. She offered no insight into the area, told us she wasn't legally allowed to, and on several occasions tried to convince us that the price on the house was very good for the area when the home was overpriced, at least, you know, in in Chris's research. Everything was about making the sale, but if we went on Trulia or Zillow, and of course there are others, we could get reports on crime rates, school quality, and the like. We're even giving more information on when the home was sold fast, for how much, and all the work that had been done to the house, things the realtor never offered. The bank handled all the paperwork. She just handed over the key. And again, this was one of the top-rated realtors that we could find in this new neighborhood. So what are realtors offering now? They're not handling paperwork for the sale. They get their houses off auto-generated searches, same as I do. They can set up viewings, same as I can. They can't give any insight into the area, but the websites can. The realtor gets a nice fat commission check at the end of the day for very little work. This is according to Chris. Far as I can see, we've done everything the realtor can do and we can save on the commission costs by cutting them out. So if Redfin wants to make it even easier and cut out the realtor, sounds great to me. I don't mind selling to them and buying my next house without a realtor. Ooh, there are going to be emails coming in from real estate people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know who rated that realtor, but that realtor sounds awful. Uh, Very I, awful. I think there's two things going on here. One is your realtor was not good. Uh, our realtor did a lot of things. I mean, first of all, I don't want to call around and set up six or seven viewings like my realtor did. She took care of all of that and was fantastic. Uh, I also was getting way more information from her MLS printouts than was available on Redfin. So I don't know what, what your realtor was handing you, but it was crap. Like I, I'd be mad too if, if I was Chris. Uh, we, we had a better, way better realtor than that. And she, she was worth the value and gave us insights on the neighborhoods. Like, I don't know what that's about. But I also think in a less competitive market than LA, where in LA, you, you have to look at 
you know, eight to 10 properties at a time if you want to even put in an offer. You also have to put in multiple offers at a time, which our realtor handed all that paperwork. The bank didn't do that. She handled the multiple offers and the counter negotiations. If you're in a market that's not that competitive, then yeah, maybe there's less for the realtor to do. And you don't mind doing that on your own because you're only going to pick two or three houses to go look at. And sure, maybe you can, maybe you have the time to set that up. But I, I think different situations are different. And I think there definitely is still a place for a human. This is the, the sort of the AI versus the human debate for me. Like there are things that my realtor did that I absolutely was appreciative that I had a human being doing. We, and she was encouraging us to use Redfin to pull listings and help supplement the ones she found. She found some cool stuff. We found some cool stuff and it all worked together. So it all depends on who you get. Well, and I think it depends on, you know, Chris's point uh, of like, this information was already available to me. The realtor just didn't offer anything. Well, and that's probably true. And there are probably lots of realtors who are just, you know, kind of coasting on the fact that once upon a time, the, the, you know, the, the buyer didn't have access to any of this information. But like you said, Tom, it depends on, well, are we looking for something specific that's unique to you know, my family or, or me or, you know, what I might want. And, you know, does desert landscaping work for me? And, you know, st- pers- that personal feel that you're not going to get through just a bunch of specs on the a website. MLS database my realtor had had more information than Redfin. Like, I don't understand what she was given, Chris, but it wasn't good. She, she wasn't good at all. Do, do, do you see this changing in the next five years, five, ten years where it is all automated? Like, you know, and you just I don't, don't I don't know this, that I'd want it to be. I, I think there will always be a place. It, it, maybe not. Maybe in, in less competitive markets, it could get all automated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think there's a place for having someone kind of driving you around and and helping you select like, you know, whittle down. Uh, the the overwhelming number of choices out there. And, and the biggest thing that I can say is helping you negotiate the multiple offers and figuring out how to prioritize your offers and stuff like that in a, in a heated up market. That's, that's incredibly helpful. Mm-hmm. I think I, you know, I, I, I've never bought a home, so this is something that I, I can't, but you know, pers- I have no actual personal experience, but I liken it to buying a car. Right. I can do lots of research on the car that I want. I there's there's nothing there's no car out there that I can't find a lot of information on before I walk into a dealership and try to drive out with that car. And knowing that, uh, you know, people who are in the real estate or, or, you know, car car sales or, or or comparable positions often work on commission and are motivated to sell um, and that's more of that kind of social engineering part of it that I'm like, you kind of just need to understand that and be able to read between the lines sometimes. Yeah. But yes, it, it, I, I, I agree that the idea of, well, nobody needs a realtor. It's a middleman that doesn't make sense anymore is, is jumping the gun. Yeah. Interview your realtor. Find one that, that actually is, is good. Don't, don't just pick one uh, out of the book. Uh, that would be my recommendation. And if you're in a small market, if you're in Sorrento, Illinois, you probably don't need a realtor. <laughs> just go find the house and talk to the person. You could figure it all out. Well, thanks, Chris, for the email. And also thanks to Lamar Wilson for being with us this fine Monday. Lamar, what has been going on with you since we saw you last? Lots and lots of videos. I do a lot of showcases of cool products. So if you want to, you know, from mystery boxes to cool tech, just did a a really high-end Bluetooth wireless speaker, if you're into all that kind of stuff, check me out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Lamar Wilson. Do a video about every day, although we might not do one until Wednesday this week because of stuff, but there's a lot of videos on it. 
Check it out, uh, folks. And uh, also check out the ways to support the show directly. There's a lot of benefits to becoming a member of the DTNS audience, not the least of which is our Discord, where you can listen to us record the show and chat with other folks. Uh, you can also get a clean feed of DTNS and the Good Day Internet feed that includes the pre and the post show. All of that and more at patreon.com slash DTNS. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We want your feedback. Questions, comments, send it over. We're also live if you can join us Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Patrick Beja. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.